Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. It is Monday afternoon with you, the second day of the month of October. And though it feels like July right now, by the end of the week, it's going to feel more like December, maybe? Wow, what a change we've got coming in the forecast as college football season rolls on, and we roll on with you as well on Sports Talk Mississippi. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. The ceasefire text line is always open to you at 601-879-4395. Introducing the new Connect and Protect plan from Ceasefire, the phone your kids want with easy-to-use parental controls for you. Just $30 a month with AutoPay. Learn more at cspire.com. Cspire, customer-inspired. Already a message on the Cspire text line, and uh, we will get to that, and uh, that'll be a question for Brian Haydad to answer, and perhaps an admission from me. An admission in which I say, Brian Haydad, you were right. Maybe you've been right all along uh, as it pertains to SEC football officiating. It, it, is, it, is, kind of, it, it is kind of worth <laughs> asking the question. Finally. Finally. If you're going to have replay and you have clear video evidence that suggests the call on the field should be changed and you don't change it, What's the point in having replay? Let's just keep the games moving and go back to, well, there's human element involved, and, you know, why not? I, I mean, Miss, what, what, what difference does it make? Missing a call on the field and the speed of the game is okay. Like, yeah. like if there's a holding call that ends up not being a holding call, uh, you can explain that away. You can rationalize a mistake there. When you've got somebody, presumably with multiple screens in front of their face, and super-duper super slow-mo frame-by-frame-by-frame frame frame replay that makes an event clear as it possibly could be, and they still get it wrong, questions need to be asked and answers need to be given, and the thing is, they never will. Yeah. Those, those, uh, those commercials for, for drunk driving, it'll never happen to me. <laughs> That's how a lot of fans are with officiating. 
Yeah. They're like, ah, you right know, the the and then your, your team gets screwed, and it's like, these guys are terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually think it makes Ole Miss's win on Saturday night more impressive. Yeah. It, it adds to, it adds to the flavor. Yeah. You, over, yeah. you beat, you beat the Tigers and the officials. That's a great day at the ball yard. Ole Miss had a full field goal to field goal, uh, field worth of penalties in that game. LSU had 35 yards. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, 10 of those 35 yards for LSU came prior to the last two snaps of the game. Yeah, the, 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 the two procedure penalties. Anyway. And, uh, and you know, we've got Kiffin audio for later. Not often. People are going to take this as a shot. It's not. Not often can you credit a Vaught-Hemingway crowd for false starts. You could then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's just, hey, let's start with a question. It, it comes on the ceasefire text line. Look, look we're going to dive in. We're going to talk all about Ole Miss LSU. We're going to talk all about Mississippi State, Alabama. We'll get in a little bit into the, the Southern Miss game. I mean, things are in a bit of a tailspin in Hattiesburg uh, right now. David on the ceasefire text line says, fire Kiffin. Oops, wrong week. Uh, yeah, that was that was last week, not this week. But no, this this question came on the ceasefire text line before we even came on the air. And so, hey, Dad, this one's for you. Good afternoon, gentlemen. I have a question. I'd like your input. In Major League Baseball, when a multi-million dollar future Hall of Fame pitcher takes the mound and starts giving up hits and walks, a good manager goes to the mound, takes the ball, pats his ace on the rear end, and simply says, it's not your night. They don't worry that he will develop some kind of a confidence issue. They put someone else in his place to try and salvage the game and win it. With that said, why isn't Mike Wright given some real quarterback opportunities when it is obvious to everyone in certain games that Will Rogers can't cut it? It's an interesting way of framing that, by the way. Yeah, it's a well-asked question. Yeah. The thing that 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 I, I get confused about the most with the whole Wright Rogers thing is, like, if if you're not willing to make him the starter, okay, that's fine, I get it. But six minutes to go, down twenty three, you you can pull Will Rogers. You can you can pull him there. Yeah, you can just you know because if, if he's your, if he's your starting quarterback, you don't want to get him injured in a game that's a lost cause at that point. You're not scoring four touchdowns in, in six minutes on Alabama, but they don't, they don't, and the way they use him is more of a gimmick than a package or a, 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 a part of the offense. You know, he's he he's he carried the ball five times in the first game. He hasn't carried it more than three since. And they, they, just, they just seem determined to not make a change. So to answer your question, I don't know why it's the, this is the case. If I did, I would make more money. But it's weird. It's just weird the way they use Mike Wright. And then today in his press conference, Zach Arnett said that Mike Wright has earned more opportunities. Is that correct? No, no. He said he deserves opportunities. That's how okay. he phrased it. That's, that's the quote. Not more. The word "more" was not used. The, the 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 no commitment to giving him more game time or giving him a full series when he's in. 
Just he deserves opportunities. Okay. And and so read into that whatever you will at your own risk. Yeah, it's almost impossible to read into that. But uh, some, something's got to give, though. And, and it, that doesn't mean you, you make the permanent switch and, and take every snap away from Rodgers and give them all to right at Because uh, I said this on Twitter. Um, Mike Wright can't do to South Carolina what Will Rogers did. Can't do it. He's never in his career displayed the ability to do to South Carolina what Will Rogers did. However, considering what we saw last year and the early parts of this year, South Carolina is an outlier. And if you're really not going to get production from your quarterback, if he's going to be making mistakes, if he's not pushing the football vertically, and you're also kind of struggling to protect, what do you have to lose by putting a guy in there that's at least an electric athlete sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. The the the, the funny part of it to me is that, you know, if, you, if you're not wanting to put Mike Wright in, you, you're making the discussion, you know, oh, well, he's not, he's not, he can't pass. Rodgers can't pass right now. Rodgers is the lowest-rated quarterback in the conference. The numbers for Will Rodgers throwing the football on Saturday night against Alabama, 15 of 27, 107 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. The longest completion he had was 22 yards. He was sacked four times. Alabama only threw the ball 12 times. I'm sorry, 13. Ty Simpson had one late pass attempt. Alabama only ran 56 offensive plays. That was a different paced game. Alabama had 43 rushing attempts and 13 pass attempts in the game. And Mississippi State's number wasn't huge. They had 35 rush attempts and 27 pass attempts in the game. So it was quite the opposite a, of what we saw at Oxford. Yeah. A, a little bit different than what we saw. And and um, part of I, that is is Alabama, they got a defensive touchdown. They also got a touch they also get a possession where they start at state's what 30 there at the end of the first half. So I mean, they 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 could that I felt like all night long when Alabama needed to get first downs, they got them. So if they had had worse field position, they would have had more plays and more yards. Yeah. Could could very well be the uh, case. Um, my, my brain was not firing on all synapses right out of the gate. I forgot that we do the blitz. I have it prepared. We'll, we don't have time to do that right now. We'll, we'll do it. Squeeze them all in in a uh, minute and thirty seconds. Go, I go, don't go. think I don't think we can do thirty games in uh, in a teams minute. Teams won. Half. Teams lost. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, so we'll get to that coming up in just a second. A wild night in Oxford. A stadium record sixty six thousand seven hundred three for Ole Miss and LSU. The scoring happened early and often. Ole Miss scoring on its opening possession. They also scored on their third possession of the game, and then it got going. I mean, so it was fourteen to nothing before the first quarter ended. Actually, it was twenty-one to seven before the four, first quarter ended. So fourteen to nothing with four minutes left in the first quarter, and then there were two more touchdowns. Um, these were two offenses that had it in overdrive. Two defenses that did not play particularly well. The difference. In LSU's defense on Saturday night and Ole Miss's defense on Saturday night, Ole Miss got a stop. Actually, got a few stops. Three of them. Three in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter, and two in the last eight minutes of the game when they absolutely had to have them. And LSU was never able to come up with the stop that they needed. 
that was the uh, difference in the ballgame. We'll spend plenty of time unpacking Ole Miss LSU. We'll get into that State-Alabama game. When we come back, we will run through the country via the Blitz. This is Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Talk Mississippi continues. Blame it all on my roots. No doubt, plenty to talk about in the state of Mississippi. But we also need to check in. So, worst energy intro song ever. I don't know what I was thinking. It's a good song, but like low energy. Right now, anyway. I mean, you got to let get it, let it get a little deeper, I guess. Yeah. But we don't have time to do that because we must blitz. Friday night game, Louisville thirteen to ten over NC State. Louisville now five and zero, setting up a big matchup with Notre Dame this coming weekend. Oregon State, uh, they get the win, twenty one to seven over Utah. First loss of the season for the Utah Utes. They actually led that game 21 to nothing going into the fourth quarter. BYU moves to 4 and 1 on the year. They had to rally past Cincinnati to get their first Big 12 win. That's weird sounding. 35-27 in a Big 12 game, BYU over Cincinnati. Texas A&M and Arkansas got the Saturday started at Jerry's World and it was well, it was mostly Aggies kind of back and forth early. Texas A&M gets the win. They improve to 34-22 and over the Arkansas Razorbacks, who will be in Oxford this Saturday night. K.J. Jefferson, just 9 of 17 for 132 yards with one passing touchdown. And Rocket Sanders, in his return from injury, carried it 11 times for 34 yards. Arkansas has got some issues. They also lost their star freshman tight end. He's out presumably for the rest of the season. Yeah, Ole Miss could deliver a death blow to Sam Pittman on Saturday because have you seen who's after Ole Miss? It's Alabama after that and then Mississippi State, right? Yeah. Uh, Max Johnson for uh, Texas A&M looked pretty good. 17-28, 210 yards, and a couple of touchdowns in the game. Penn State stayed undefeated. They went to suburban Chicago, Evanston, Illinois, and knocked off Northwestern 41 to 13. Kind of a back and forth game in which, um, well, a new college football coach kind of lost his cool on the sideline. Trent Dilfer went crazy uh, and Tulane won 35 23. His going crazy, though, was on his own defensive staff when they had too many men on the field. Clemson went to the Dome in Syracuse and won 31 14, handing the Orange their first loss of the season. Defense was dominant. They sacked. Garrett Schrader five times and forced three fumbles in the win. Southern Cal was completely in control until they weren't. But they did hang on to win 48-41 over Colorado. Colorado outscored the Trojans 27-14 in the second half. Caleb Williams, 30 of 40, 403 yards, and count them six touchdown passes. Shador Sanders threw for 371 with four TDs. He was 30 of 45 in the game. Maybe the most impressive physical beatdown of the weekend happened in horse country. Kentucky 33, Florida 14. Kentucky Wildcats now 5-0, and they are headed to Athens this weekend. Big game 
with the Georgia Bulldogs. Ray Davis, the Vanderbilt transfer, 26 carries, 280 yards, and uh, three touchdowns in the ballgame. Georgia and Auburn in the Deep South's oldest rivalry saw Georgia stay undefeated. They go to 5-0 and with a 27-20 win over Auburn. That one was, uh, I think, closer than any of us thought it was going to be. Maybe the wildest game of the day? Baylor scoring 26 fourth-quarter points to come back and win against UCF 36-35. Baylor improves to 2-3. and three. UCF playing without John Rice Plumley falls to 3-2. and two. Also the craziest scramble for a first down that maybe you'll ever see in that game from, uh, from UCF's quarterback. Uh, Michigan goes to Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska, and they win 45-7 to to stay undefeated on the year. Nebraska, not a very good football team. Just not very good. Uh, South Florida. How about the resurgent South Florida Bulls? They played well three weeks ago against Alabama. They beat Rice in their American Conference opener. This weekend they went on the road and they beat Navy. Alex Golish, the former Tennessee offensive coordinator, Doing good things in year one in Tampa, 44-30, the final in that one. Texas Tech, we said last week, maybe the best one-loss team in the country. Well, now they're a a two, well, I'm sorry, the best one-win team, best three-loss team, whatever. Anyway, they beat Houston 49-28. to Everybody have Maryland undefeated at this point? Oh, interesting one this weekend, too. It is. Maryland headed to uh, Columbus to take on Ohio State this weekend. After a 44-17 win over Indiana, Hoosiers fall to 2-3. Maryland, a perfect 5-0. Talia Tonga-Vailoa threw for 352 and five touchdowns over the course of the weekend. Texas is good. 40-14 over Kansas. Kansas playing without Jalen Daniels in that ballgame. Jonathan Brooks for Texas on the ground. 217 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Red River coming up this Saturday. Good win for Memphis. They blocked a field goal, returned it for a touchdown, and won 35-32 over Boise State. Memphis is 4-1 and on the year. Mizzou still undefeated. 38-21 over Vanderbilt. Brady Cook threw for a career-high 395 yards. He's playing well. And uh, uh, Burden, what's his first name? Why can I not? Luther Burden. Luther. Luther. He's playing really, really well. Oregon still undefeated. They beat Sanford 42-6 on the road. Oklahoma wins at home to go to 5-0, 50-20. That Oklahoma offense is humming. Dylan Gabriel throws for 366 and five, three touchdowns in the ballgame. Texas State 50-36 over Southern Miss despite 20 fourth-quarter points for the Golden Eagles in the loss. Tennessee rolls over South Carolina 41-20. Uh, big story out of that game. Brew McCoy is out with kind of a gruesome injury. Speaking of injuries, Riley Leonard had one. Good news, though, it's a high ankle sprain. He will return probably later in the month of October. Notre Dame bounces back from the loss to Ohio State with a 21-14 end-of-game win over Duke. Uh, Mr. Estime is a good running back. Iowa. Gets a win over Michigan State. Michigan State has uh, lost three in a row since the allegations against Mel Tucker have surfaced, and he has subsequently been fired. Iowa now 4-1, 26-16. to They are nine points off the pace of averaging 25 a game. they got to get to 325. 
for uh, Brian Ferentz to keep his job as the offensive coordinator and win seven games. Looks like they're going to do that. And have to do it without their starting quarterback, Cade McNamara, announced today out for the year. How about the fighting West Virginia Mountaineers? Four and one for Neil Brown. Maybe the hot seat no more. They went at 24-21 over TCU. Blocked two field goals in the fourth quarter that uh, certainly could have been the difference. Washington stays undefeated. They beat Arizona by a final of 31-24. Crazy enough, Michael Penix, despite 363 yards passing, does not throw a touchdown for the first time this season. That is your college football blitz. Nailed it. Pretty good weekend. Good weekend. Yeah. I mean, and it, it was capped by by the game right here. I mean, that was the that was the game of the weekend. Uh, it really was, yeah. You know, channel time slot aesthetics, everything. I mean, that that game really did have it all. And that that game, I said this last night. That game is why, or that's what separates college football from the NFL. Was that game? NFL games don't go down like that. Defenses are are also good, and it was optional. Uh, on Saturday night, the, the back and forth scoring, the questionable replay, the bad calls, the elite level quarterback play. I mean, what a what a duel of quarterbacks in that game. Yeah. And then you had the field storming, and I know they got fined, and, and people are doing the pearl clutching about field storming. Hey, how about the 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 fine structure changing? I, I feel like this flew a little under the radar. Yeah. Ole Miss has to cut a check to LSU. Yeah, maybe a hundred thousand dollars. They should have just sent it right to the children's hospital, but. Um, oh my God! You're so you're just you're just second ahead of me. One second ahead of me on that. Jeez, we got to get that delay fixed. But that game is what separates college football from from anything else in sports. That was perfect college football. Chaotic, like legalized drugs, and then the the aesthetics after the game. What was perfect? That was college football. That was perfect college football. Uh, tip of the cap to Shed and Winona, who texted us back in July and said, I feel good about the Rebels beating LSU at home this year. Okay. He saved his receipt and sent it to us. Called his shot way early. So yeah. good for you. Good for you, Shed. Good job. Yeah. Uh, it was, um, it was, it was pretty crazy. It was, it was a wild game. Um, I, I will tell you, I, I have called a couple of games where I kind of kept an eye on another game that was going on at the time. I did that with the, the Mississippi State game last week while calling the Tulane game. I will say it's a little harder to actually watch a game and call a game at the same time, but I gave it a go on Saturday night. It was uh, it was crazy, though, watching it unfold. It's like, okay, commercial break, and I'd watch for a minute and a half and score, and then I'd glance away and pay attention to the game that I was calling for you know three or four plays and glance over and be like, wait, Somebody scored again. How did that happen? It was uh, it was back and forth in a hurry. So let's unpack it when we come back. Ole Miss and LSU Rebels moving to four and one on the season. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Check this out. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi.
All right, let's start out with some numbers, and then we will work our way from there. Ole Miss offensively. Quinshawn Judkins, welcome to the 2023 college football season, Quinshawn Judkins. 33 carries, 177 yards, and a touchdown. He averaged five and a half yards per carry. Ulysses Bentley had a nice game, nine carries for 90 yards and a touchdown, uh, including a 43-yard touchdown run. Jackson Dart carried it seven times for 50 yards in the ball game. He was not sacked. So I, I said let's jump into some numbers, and then we'll go from there. But let's press pause yeah, because all of that – actually points to something else. Judkins was really good. By far his best game this season. Bentley was good. Jackson Dart was good and was not sacked. The offensive line has been greatly ridiculed and maligned through the first four games of the year. Without question, they played their best game of the season on Saturday night. No doubt. And, you know, I'm... I don't get paid $9 million a year, so I don't know the schematics as much. They clearly made some adjustments, but physically as well. I mean, Michael Pettis is, is a guy that took a lot of heat, especially after the two-lane game. And, uh, buddy, Harold Perkins lined up across from him a lot. And how often did you hear the name Harold Perkins on Saturday night? I mean, the only time I remember is when he got banged up a little bit and they brought him to the sideline. Look, Lane Kiffin, in his post-game press conference, didn't want to come out and say specifically what they did from a scheme standpoint, but he said it's rare that he has ever built a game plan around staying away from a single player. And he said, you know, if you watch it pretty closely, you can kind of tell what we did. Yeah, and man, that was the difference. And the even the negative running plays on Saturday were so important because, you know, Judkins is really good at, at – running through contact and, and falling forward as opposed to backwards. He's good at that, but their, their negative running plays were two, three yards instead of negative two, three yards. And so even if they didn't have great success on one running play, it was still second and seven. And it's just so much easier for an offense to operate when you've got second and seven as opposed to second and 12, uh, which is what they were dealing with uh, in, in Tuscaloosa a week ago. So even when it wasn't perfect, it was still... Different. They controlled the line of scrimmage the entire game. Dart avoided a couple of sacks uh, there because he's really good at doing that. But by and large, he was kept clean and was able to just distribute the football well. Yeah, those guys have been ridiculed all season, and they rose up and played extremely well. Jackson Dart, 26-39, 389 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, and he spread it around. Trey Harris had eight catches for 153 yards and a touchdown. Dayton Wade, 7 for 64 and a touch. Jordan Watkins, 5 for 103 and a touchdown. Caden Priestcorn caught three balls. His importance in the running game probably can't be overstated. Ulysses Bentley caught a ball for 19 or for, ooh, what was it, 17 yards. Sakari Franklin caught one pass for seven yards. Quinshawn Judkins caught one out of the backfield. In all, 26 receptions by one, two, three, seven different receivers. For, uh, as I said just a second ago, 389 yards in the game. On the other side, look, LSU's offense deserves credit. I know there have been a lot of people, Ole Miss's defense was awful. Ole Miss's defense was bad. We, we, we can agree with that. But I do think if you watch the game closely, you just saw a highlight with a, less than a minute to go in the second quarter with uh, Dejan, um 
Number Anthony. Nine. What's his last? Dejan Anthony in coverage. He was covering Kyron Lacey. The coverage could not have been any better. He was step for step with him. He was not even trailing him by a step. He got an arm up, and the throw was so perfect from Jaden Daniels, he, he, he couldn't touch it. I thought Ole Miss's defenders were in the position they were supposed to be in a lot on Saturday night. Now, LSU had a lot of run-after-catch yards. The, the crossing routes, the drag stuff across the middle was really good to them. I think that's an area that Ole Miss has got to figure out a little bit. Um, Jaden Daniels was sacked three times. Ole Miss was able to put some pressure on him. Brian Thomas Jr. and Malik Neighbors are NFL wide receivers. I'll ask you guys. Hey, Dad, you've seen them both in person. Are they both first-round NFL receivers? I don't know if Thomas is. He's such a speed guy. I don't know. Neighbors is for sure, though. Yeah. I mean, Mason Taylor's an NFL tight end. Logan Diggs looks like they're finally settling into the right guy at running back. I thought he was really impressive. Had 101 yards rushing and two touchdowns on the ground. Um, so, yeah, Ole Miss defense got some work to do. Yeah. But, but I would but ask that this. Said, well, what I was going to say is I, I go back, I've brought this up on the show before, but something Bob Shoup said one time is like, you can play a game like Ole Miss played Saturday night and say that you played good defense, and you can say that you can lose the game 10-7. to 7. Mm-hmm. And say that you played bad defense because when you had to have a stop, did you get one or not? And when Ole Miss absolutely had to have a stop, couldn't couldn't go another step without getting off the field, they got to stop. LSU's Simple four fourth quarter possessions. So they had been going up and down the field all game long, just destroyed all game. LSU had four fourth quarter possessions. First one was three plays, negative five yards, and they punted. Second one was a 55-yard drive for a touchdown, four plays. Third one was four plays, 20 yards, punt. Fourth one was six plays, ball to the end zone, end of game. So they got wrecked all night, but the difference in the game was they got stops in the fourth quarter. LSU did not get stops in the fourth quarter. Ole Miss wins the game. And, and you know, I was thinking about this. That's not the first time they've gotten better as the game has gone on. I can't help but wonder if they do play a pretty high volume of players on the defensive line. They rotate a good bit. Not not as much last night as they have in non-conference games and stuff like that, but they were fresher, it felt like, than LSU was late in that game. Ole Miss was getting no pressure on Daniels at all until the fourth quarter. And then they were able to get to him without bringing additional guys either. They created yeah. havoc in the fourth quarter kind of doing it the same way, at least from my untrained eyes, that they were doing earlier in the game. It's just they were getting home. Yeah. Um, there was a moment late in the ball game where Trey Harris scored the touchdown, the 13-yard touchdown reception that put Ole Miss in front. And there is debate here. LSU had... Two timeouts remaining. There were 39 seconds left in the game. And Trey Harris could have gotten a first down without going into the end zone. And Lane Kiffin, after the fact, said the reason he went to a knee 
and looked defeated as opposed to celebrating a touchdown there was because he wanted Trey Harris to go down, bleed the clock, and then kick the game-winning field goal. But he also said that in retrospect, he was glad that it turned out the way that it did because he thinks his defense can gain some confidence by what happened at the end, by getting off the field without giving up a game-losing score. Where do you fall on that? Because as I was watching it in real time, he caught it, and I was saying, go down, go down, go. Oh, oh, he's going to score. That's a lot of time left. The way that game had gone. Knowing that he wasn't told to get down makes it a a heck of a lot more understandable that he didn't. Because in that moment, I assume he thought he was going to get tackled. You know what I mean? I mean, he had had a couple of defenders kind of closing in on him. Uh, He shakes one, and then Priestcorn just leveled the other guy. I I have a feeling that in that moment, it's probably so hard to think, oh, I need to get down here because I just just beat this guy, and then, oh, end zone, touchdown, we win. Hey, Dad, you've, you've seen the highlight of that play, right? Yes, I was watching it, yeah. Do, do, do you guys think that LSU let him score there? No. Or do you think he made the one good move to kind of juke the guys and then got the block and he was able to score? I don't think LSU. I mean, am I really going to say that I think LSU was trying to let him score when on the previous how many ever possessions Ole Miss scored? I mean, LSU couldn't stop Ole Miss the whole night. Their secondary looked like that for four quarters in this yeah. game. And yeah. look, there, there's also the other piece of it is – if you do that, there is a play that you have to execute. It's basically an extra point, but you have to get a good snap. You have to get a good hold. Your kicker has to put it through the uprights. It has to not be blocked. And, and I mean, do you have to look any farther than LSU against Florida State in the season opener yeah. a year ago to see an extra point get yeah. blocked? And, and And so, I don't know. I mean, in the NFL, 100 times out of 100, the right play is to go down. And Caden Davis had had a really good night kicking the football, but he is still a college kicker. And very different lengths, but he, he missed a pretty short one in Tuscaloosa the week prior. He did. And look, it would have been now you would have had a couple of plays where if you had wanted to run the ball to the center of the field and just set it up where it's nothing but a straight on extra point, you could have done that. But where the ball would have been spotted after that play would have been on the right hash. So I I don't know. I I don't know what the right answer is, but it worked out for Ole Miss uh, in a big way on Saturday night. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll get to some of your thoughts on the ceasefire text line coming up next. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. Middays with Gerard Gibbert will be at the 27th Annual Cruise in the Coast on Wednesday. America's Best Car Show is voted by USA Today, and you don't want to miss it. That's Middays with Gerard Gibbert from the Biloxi Town Green coming up this Wednesday. Also, Sports Talk Mississippi will be at Mississippi's only PGA Tour event, the Sanderson Farms Championship, next Thursday. Yeah, boys, look what was just handed to me. 
Oh, you got yeah, badges? Yeah, I got badges. We're ready. There we go. Fired up. Uh, so that's us on Thursday, and then Middays with Gerard will be there on Friday. For tickets and more information, you can uh, go to their website, SandersonFarmsChampionship.com, SandersonFarmsChampionship.com, and keep listening because we are going to give you a chance to win. We're going to give a pair of tickets away nice. to the Sanderson Farms Championship this afternoon. Weather is going to be amazing. Oh, I mean, good. just amazing. It's going to be spectacular. Oh. Yeah, we haven't said a name yet. At least I don't think. Uh, not in not in the context of reaction. Uh, Lane Kiffin. So this time last week, it was justified. The conversation started with Lane Kiffin, as it should have. Uh, the the tweets, the press conferences, and the way the team played fell right back on the, the feet of Lane Kiffin. And the equal and opposite attention needs to be paid on the way his team played this week. I mean, they, I don't know if embarrassed is the right word, but the way they played was was really bad. I mean, they played really bad last week after all of the stuff, you know? And instead of letting that cause them to fall apart like it did last year, uh, they came out and immediately played well. Like, the plan was really, really good. The game plan was. Mm-hmm. Offense was called beautifully for four quarters. But most importantly, the fourth quarter. Ole Miss was down nine, so a two-score game with under eight minutes to go, and I believe facing a third and long. I think it was third and in like 11, where Dart hit, I think it was Harris for a first down, but it was third and long, down two scores, midway through the fourth quarter, and they won the game. How many football teams in general would have lost in that spot? A ton. How many Ole Miss teams would have absolutely lost after that That. The review gets it wrong, and LSU's given a touchdown. How many almost teams would have completely folded in that spot? A ton. That, that yeah. speaks to leadership with your quarterback, and that speaks to coaching. And, and I thought Lane Kiffin did two things in his post game that really stood out. But before he said anything else, he said, I've been really hard on our fans. He said, I want to thank our fans. He, he said the environment tonight was great. It, it was incredible. It was a true home field advantage. They were into it. They stayed. He said, so if I'm going to be hard on fans when, you know, don't show up, don't participate, he's like, deserve a ton of praise. I'm paraphrasing there. The other thing that he said was um, he, he was asked about folks being really mad and, and kind of on him and on the staff and the team after the loss to Alabama. And he said, good. That means the expectations around here have finally changed. Thought that was an interesting take from Lane Kiffin. Hey, Dad, I want to ask you this because we've gotten a bunch of people that have jumped on and they wanted to talk about officiating, holding, not holding, imbalance of calls, Ole Miss versus LSU, the specific video re- review on the the touchdown that was upheld. It's real easy for me to go. That was a blown call. You, you wear maroon underwear. You watched it. What'd you think? The only call I can I can really speak on because I, I, I watching the game in the press box and I can't keep no, up with everything. But the the touchdown is very is incredibly iffy. I I I I didn't think that they were going to hold. I didn't think it would hold up, well, and it did. And, and that's the one that most people are keying on. It and here's my thought on it. He never had the ball in his hands. He didn't catch the ball with his hands. 
He mm. caught the ball with his forearm and like smashed it against his stomach. Never got his hands on the mm. football until he was on the ground. And as he was going down and hitting the ground, the ball moved. And, and so you, the, the ball is allowed to move if you maintain full possession and complete the catch. Right? That, that can happen. How can you say you have full possession when you never have your hands on the ball? I mean, like, can I just go running down the field and lift my arm and let a ball come through and just, like, clamp it down between the, the side of my rib cage and, and my bicep and, like, kind of cradle it in my underarm? Without, and that's a. Without knowing, I think, yeah. I think if you've got the ball under your arm, like, I think it's a catch. I think that's control of the ball. You don't have to have it in your hands, per se. I mean, if it gets wedged in your helmet, do you have control of the ball? It's reasonable. I mean,. Does that mean like a jugs gun shot it in there? Yeah, basically you, get, you you turn around the ball's just right there. So yeah, um, I don't know, but I thought that was a very very moved. iffy call. Yeah, yeah, the, the ball moving is what gets you there. Yeah, and, and I, I'm surprised by how many people were were blown away by what Lane Kiffin said when he's like, "Look, I, I don't get a vote in this. I'm not saying you're wrong." The referee told him he's like, "But but I don't. That's not my call." And Lane Kiffin was like, "Wait." So what do you guys do when you're over there? Just hanging out? I feel like most people didn't know or had forgotten that the referee doesn't make that call even though they're watching the replay. It's the replay center in Birmingham that is making the decision. It's crazy. It's big. Brace yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi. Covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi. Try and provide a little bit of clarity. Um, this comes from an NCAA football official, specifically about the play in question. Um, on the touchdown play, this is where replay and the fan experience gets in trouble. Replay has to be technical, and technically, although debatable, This is a catch. Most people would look on this and say his hands aren't on the ball, which is correct. However, this ball sticks between the arm and body, and he never loses control. The NCAA definition of a catch is secures firm control with the hand or arm, plural, of a live ball in flight before the ball touches the ground and touches the ground inbounds with any part of the body and then maintains control of the ball long enough to enable the player to perform an act common to the game. Having said that, the ruling on the field matters here, meaning had the official said incomplete, I'm not sure that replay would have overturned it to a catch. And this official followed up with this. In a room of the best 100 officials on the planet, the consensus would be 50-50. Which is well, to of say, of course, that's is, what they're going to say. Which is to say, there is no. I know, I know. This is actually one of the really good officials. 
There are some of those. There, there I'm sure few. he's a nice guy. No, he's 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 pretty good at his job. <laughs> well, explain the rest of it is. then. <laughs> RG3 nailed it on the broadcast, by the way. When, when Prescore got the holding, that ultimately didn't matter. It felt at the time like that was a huge call, but they scored anyway. Um, RG3 was right. He just blocked him too good. <laughs> he, he just whooped that guy. And, uh, and that was the result. What a difference he makes, by the way. So, I mean, when you put up offensive numbers like they did, it's everybody, right? We talked about offensive line play. Uh, Jackson Dart, we even got some texts on this show last week about when do you go to Spencer Sanders? Never. And you are never going to go to Sanders, Dari Noka. Um, that, that's over now. Jackson Dart always had this, this upside. He was always capable of this. And he finally played a, not a perfect game, Underthrew a couple of balls on the sideline that uh, he would like to have back, but no mistakes, nothing. Um, hey, that just disconnected. I'll have to reset during the break. But um, didn't make any mistakes. Ran the ball well. All that. Trey Harris was physical and dominant and blocked well and all of that. But Prescorn's presence can't be ignored. All three of his catches, only three of them, were on third down. And his blocking was, his, he had a block that cleared up the long Bentley touchdown. He had a block that cleared up the uh, the Harris touchdown that, that ultimately won the game for Ole Miss. Uh, having a, a true tight end of that offense, look at what it does. I responded to the wrong message. Somebody said, then why does a referee go to a video monitor to watch the replay? Here's the answer to that. The, the referee, the white hat, is part of the conversation with the replay officials. But the sole determination on the ultimate call standing as called on the field or being overturned lies with the replay officials who are in the SEC Video Center in Birmingham. Plus, they have to communicate with the referee. So, anyway. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studio on this Monday afternoon. You can join the conversation on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from ceasefire business. It's backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in ceasefire country. Check them out online at ceasefire.com slash business. That's ceasefire.com slash business. Um, somebody said there were several long LSU touchdowns called which weren't reviewed they, they were all touchdowns all the other ones were I, I, no, no issues there yeah billy in collinsville says i have to believe that if the teams were reversed the call would have been incomplete i, I don't know man that, that maybe that's where hey dad and i differ just a touch and i think he would agree with this I don't think any of us, and I, I, I shouldn't speak for us, but I don't think any of us believe in some sort of a conspiracy theory, you know, where certain teams get more calls than others. You may think we're crazy for that. But I do think all of us agree that the officiating should be better than it is. And there, the there's too much money now. There, there is a there's a shortage of officials at every level. The SEC 
believes that it has the best officials in college football. I think the evidence of that is the number of SEC officials that make the step to the next level and are calling games in the NFL. But, man, I, I think officiating college football is a really, really hard job. Absolutely. And, and my issue was not with the officials on the field, frankly. I mean, holding, not holding. I'm, like, I'm kind of weary of the holding thing. Like, it is weird to me when you watch a game and you see a huge imbalance of penalties, and the biggest reason for the imbalance is the number of holding calls that go against one team but not the other team. Because the truth of the matter is, every offensive lineman on every team in America holds on the regular. They just kind of choose to call it when it's egregious. But through the eyes of a fan, the stuff that doesn't get called on the other team is egregious, and the stuff that you to get gets called on your team sometimes is egregious and sometimes isn't. And the, I think the real frustration happens when you get a holding call that has no effect on the outcome of the play. That drives me crazy. Like, I, I, I don't need to hear from you, Mr. Official, if the holding was 10 yards behind the play and it had no effect on the outcome of the play. And I don't need ticky-tack holding calls when you're missing holding calls that are blatant. Like, if you're not going to call holding, just don't call holding. Unless it's like everybody can see a takedown to the ground. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, Billy in Collinsville says the official is supposed to call what he sees. He didn't see Priestcorn holding. He just saw the guy go down. Yeah, I don't think that was a good call. No, I think RG3 was right. I think he blocked him too good. And yeah. just the flag came out because he blocked him too good. Uh, by the way, we are not tuning Haydad out. We lost him, and he's going to reconnect coming up in uh, in just a couple of minutes. Morgan, why don't we use this time to give away some tickets? Yeah, we can do that. Can we do that? Let's do it. Sanderson Farms Championship is here. It's Mississippi's only PGA Tour event, and Super Talk Mississippi, that's us, wants to give you a chance to see the pros play this weekend. Now is your chance to win a pair of tickets. You know when we give stuff away, you got to use the text line. Ceasefire text line. Here's the number 601 879 4395. There are 18 holes on a golf course. And so, be the 18th person. You would. The 18th person to text this key phrase, this key word to the Ceasefire text line at 601 879 4395. The 18th person to text the word. Ace to us. Ace. A-C-E. You know, like a hole-in-one. For more information on how to buy tickets, go to SandersonFarmsChampionship.com. The 18th person to text, uh, text Ace to the ceasefire text line, uh, we will give you a pair of tickets. By the way, they're email tickets, so we'll need your name and your phone number and your email address, and we will send them to you. Are you counting them in real time, Borky, as they, as they flow through? Yeah, I'm trying to. One, two, three. Four, there you five, go. Six, seven. They are uh, they are rolling. We're going to get into Mississippi State and Alabama coming up after the uh, break in in just a second. Um, let, let's look at 
some of the numbers from that. We'll we'll leave Haydad out of the numbers part of the conversation and really get into the uh, the name. All right, sorry, the game itself just a little bit. Jalen Milrow was Alabama's leading rusher. He carried it 11 times for 69 yards and two touchdowns. Jason got a McClellan, winner. Thank you, guys. Got a winner? Number 18? Number 18. There you go. we got to have his email address and his or her name and phone number, and we'll get those tickets to them. Uh, we'll try to give you more chances to win tickets to the Sanderson Farms Championship this week. To buy tickets yourself, go online to sandersonfarmschampionship.com. Jace McClellan had 15 carries for 63 yards, so three rushing touchdowns for Alabama. Didn't throw it a whole lot. Milrow was 10 of 12 for 164 with zero touchdowns, and Mississippi State sacked him four times. This was a 17-14 game. Yeah. And then it kind of spiraled on Mississippi State. We'll talk about that with uh, Brian Haydad. We'll get to some of the things that Zach Arnett said after the game as well. With you, Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Mississippi. Here's more. Super Talk. Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Thank you for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borkey. Haydad can actually now fully engage in the radio program this afternoon. Chelsea has yeah. won. They have now won two matches in a row. Congratulations. Glad you I was fully us. engaged the whole oh, time. sure you were. Sure. I don't believe you. I was talking. I mean, I was talking. Mm-hmm. Did, did you know that that game was going on before the, uh, the this moment in time? Borky did. Okay. I? Yeah, he did. When did he, when did he know? When did he uh, say? In between the first and second segment of the show. Uh, okay. All right. And I actually knew so. before we came in that Chelsea was playing during this time window. I was like, all right, we'll, we'll catch Hayden at about four o'clock today. That'd be good. I was I was fine. I, I was know you up. were. I just kind of busting your chops I just, a little bit. The the la- this last segment one day it's the, all our little tricks aren't going to work and I'm just going to be able to go home early but it's not today. Today is not that day. Um, no. All right, so it was seventeen to ten with so a one score ball game late in the second quarter. Hey, Dad, and. Mississippi State was playing. They were in the game. They weren't. Yeah. I don't know that you were watching the game right now, going, you know what, Mississippi State's winning this game. But they were very much in the football game, seventeen to ten, with a minute three left in the half. Minute seven left in the half. Is that right? I don't think that's right. Is that not right? They scored okay. to make it twenty four ten. Okay, yeah, that's right. There it is. Okay, so I'm I'm, I'm yeah. trying to go through the play by. Anyway, point being, it's a seven point game, and take take us through the sequence before the half. 
where it felt like the game just flipped sure. on itself. So Alabama State gets to the score to make it a seven-point game, and you know, like you said, the crowd is definitely into the game at that point. That you know, this is obviously the best state has played against Alabama in five, six years. And you know, Alabama drives down, they get a touchdown. Okay, it's twenty-four ten. You got a minute to go. You've got you've you've been a decent two-minute team this year. The week before against South Carolina, you were able to go down against a two-minute drill and get a field goal, give yourself some momentum going into the locker room. That's the thought process here. And Arnett, you know, said he said today in his press conference, all of the coaches were like, "Coach, do, you, do we want to go for it here?" And Arnett says, "Yeah, we've been good in two minutes. Let's go." And Rogers throws a pass that he's got no business throwing. Uh, he said that he thought that the the linebacker, or he thought that the tight end was going to make a, a different cut and didn't. But you know, you're the senior quarterback who's thrown more passes than anybody else in the SEC. I mean, you got to be able to, to to read that situation better. And instead, he doesn't. And instead of it being twenty four ten or twenty four thirteen or gosh forbid twenty four seventeen at the end of the half, it's thirty one ten. And you know, when you think about the fact that State got the ball in the second half. And went right down the field and scored to make it a 31-17 game. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they had a chance there to to make this an interesting football game. But at the end of the day, the turnovers turnovers were what killed them. Uh, Rodgers throws one pick six. He's thrown in, in his four, four, four games against Alabama, he has thrown three pick sixes. Pretty sure Will Rodgers would be happy never to play Alabama again. Um, and then he throws the other interception before the end of the half. And, and those two turnovers... Killed State's chances to win the game. I shouldn't say win, but to be in the game. Yeah. So Alabama made it twenty-four to ten with a minute seven left. State had scored to make it a seven-point game with like six and a half minutes left, six twenty-six left in the first half in the second quarter. Alabama scored with a minute three left. State gets the ball back. It's one play, pick six, and. Alabama. Wait, did that get returned for a touchdown or just down to the? That was returned for a touchdown. Okay. Yeah. And then thirty-one ten. Yeah. Mm. And then they end up. So, point being, in all that, Zach Arnett said in his post-game press conference. You know, maybe we should have just kneeled on it and gone into the locker room. Down. Disagree with that. He didn't even totally say disagree maybe. with that statement. He said. I should have taken a knee. Mm-hmm. Wrong. He's wrong. He's wrong there. He's trying to take up for his quarterback. I get it. He's wrong there. He absolutely should have gone for points there. There was a minute seven left. You don't take a knee with a minute seven left. No, absolutely. No, not down fourteen. He would have been booed out of the stadium if that had happened. No. Arnett. Arnett is just trying to take up for Will there. Will made a mistake. Will's a big boy. He can take the heat. Just he made a mistake there. Uh, we've gotten this message a couple of times. So I'm just gonna. Well, I'll just read it one time and we'll be done. You guys have to get on Hey Dad. He's talked crap all year, saying Ole Miss couldn't and wouldn't beat LSU. He also says LSU is the best team in the SEC West. Make him eat crow and don't let him crawfish his way out of this. Do it soon. I worked longer to hear this. I'm gonna have to tune out in 30 minutes. Okay, I read it to you. Hey Dad, I was wrong. I mean, what do you want? Okay, there you go. Hey, Dad, just admit it. What do you want me to say? I mean, Ole Miss won the game. I said Ole Miss, I picked LSU to win. 
I did. I never. I had some idiot on Twitter saying, "Didn't he say it was impossible for Ole Miss to win?" Nope, never said that. It's laid out a way for Ole Miss to win. Said they needed to be more physical team. They were. I thought the play where they knocked the ball out on Jaden Daniels and absolutely lit him up. That's the play of the game. It set the tone. It set the the intention. And it 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 it, it, it in reality they're probably going to score there. So it changed the game. Uh, I said that Judkins needed to show up. He did. And I said that Kiffin needed to be the guy they pay $9 million a year for. He was. LSU, clearly not the best team in the West. I was wrong on that prediction. Again, guys, if I got all my predictions right, I would do this show from my penthouse in the Wynn Casino at Las Vegas. In between, you know, a massage and, and you know, a few rounds at the poker table. Is that sufficient, Crow? I, I want to. I want to point out though. I have a friend of mine who's a state fan who gets really angry whenever I'm wrong about anything, and so I get it from both sides. I got. I got a state fan who's just like, "You said Ole Miss was going to lose. Great job." I'm like, "What do you?" Again, if I could get them all right, I wouldn't be talking to you guys. Me and Bruce Marshall be hanging out for two months in Switzerland. You and who? Me and Bruce Marshall. We'd be best buds. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I think only one of us picked Ole Miss to win this game, didn't we? That is true. That's correct, and this guy just spoke. Mm. I even dropped the wrong team favorite on you. Hey, <laughs> I, I, and I was half right on Auburn, Georgia. I was wrong on Mississippi State. I think we were all right on Texas A&M. But the play that I said to make on Auburn, Georgia, was Auburn plus the points in the first half. I just didn't know they were that, was easy that close for the entire game. So, yeah, anyway. an easy winner. Yeah. Um, the uh, Ole Miss's path is Ole Miss's path is fascinating now. You got Arkansas coming in this week, and it's a wounded Arkansas team. Oh, Ole Miss is a big favorite, like a yeah, double-digit point. Well, depending on where you, I thought it settled to like twelve. Let's see what my friends, I always look at Bovada. Let's see what they say. Go ahead. And, and we'll get to lines tomorrow. Anyway, point being, Ole Miss big favorite against Arkansas this weekend. And it's at 11. 11 and a half. So Double-digit point yeah. favorite. And then they get an open date, and then they go to Auburn. Everything is pointing toward November 4th being a massive, massive Saturday. Yeah. At Vaughn Hemingway Stadium against Texas A&M. Especially if you can get a little help this weekend from the Aggies. Yeah. Now, there is the thing of Georgia that's lingering out there, but you've watched Georgia play. Everybody's watched Georgia play. They're not 2022 Georgia. They're not 2021 Georgia. They are very good. Hey, does anybody want to do like early, early, early week prediction and predict Kentucky to win in Athens on Saturday night? <laughs> no, no, thank Look, you. man. So it'll be a fun game, I think. I what? think Kentucky isn't afraid of them. What, what did Auburn do? Auburn ran the ball well. Mm-hmm. Kentucky yeah. got a back that just went for two eighty, and a quarterback who no, no you're not, you're not Larry is not a great running quarterback just because he's black, but he is an effective runner of the football. But he is more of a throwing quarterback. What? He's not. Devin Larry is not black. What? 
<laughs> oh, bad. We'll be back after he, this. No, he uh, is decidedly not. <laughs> wow. <laughs> decidedly. Decidedly. What the heck not. am I thinking about? Some other Devin? Like, I was trying to be super... <laughs> I don't know what I'm thinking about. Uh, we, we're going viral on this one, boys. Don't clip Wait, this, no, Borky. Let's, let's not. Let's not. We'll be back. Exciting news. Brace yourself. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Hey, Dad, big picture takeaways from Saturday night. You, you did podcast. Sunday that, that dropped late yesterday afternoon with, with these are the things that are true. Give me something good and then maybe something less good. To, to give you something good, you, you really have to play the ifs and buts game, right? You have to look and say, you know, if State doesn't turn the ball over, then. But State does turn the ball over. You know, they, they made two bad, Rogers makes two terrible throws and that's that's the difference in the game. I mean, it, it's 14 points for Alabama in a game that State loses by 17. So that you know, the the ifs and buts are, hey, you, you had more success against Alabama than you've had recently. You ran the ball kind of effectively in the first half. Defensively in the second half, you held them without a touchdown. I mean, you see what I'm getting at here. It's like there's not a lot of overwhelming positives. You got it's, it's really really small victories in there for Mississippi State. The the bad the bad big takeaway is is Arnett, and I found it interesting to watch him today. Removed, you know, forty some odd hours from the loss, and he's just up there, you know, as professional and and calm and collected as he could be. You know, he was asked about being angry, and he's like, "I am angry." And I really thought for a second he might delve into that that Arnett personality that I used to know. You know, I've said it a few times here on the show that. When he became the head coach, his personality changed. At least his public-facing personality changed. You know, he was always a gruff, angry defensive coordinator, and now he's a little bit more smiley and a little bit more coach speak. The, the, the analogy I made on the the podcast was sometimes he gives answers that sounds like one of us trying to give a coach speak answer. Like it doesn't sound like it's actually coming from a coach. It sounds like somebody who's trying to act like they are a coach. And, uh, and Arnett's a good coach. He's a good defensive coordinator. He's a good, good, a good football coach. But man, he was so flustered and frustrated Saturday night. And I think we're going to hear the audio later, uh, which will have to be edited audio, unfortunately, because uh, once again, Zach Arnett uh, decided to grace us with a little profanity. And he, he just doesn't seem to have, like, I understand there, there are times where coaches don't have the answers, right? Joe Moorhead didn't have answers. A lot of the questions we asked him, 
But Joe Moorhead would give you an answer that made it sound like he had an answer, if that makes sense. Yeah. He made it sound like he's like, yeah, I, yeah, he sounded like, I know what the problem is, and this is how we're going to fix it, and next week this won't be an issue. It would be an issue the next week, but he at least made you think that. Arnett's just up there like, I don't know. He's giving you a little bit of that Lamonis from, from last year. Remember when Lamonis would say stuff like, I don't know, I don't know what the problem is? Kind of the same thing. So I think when you catch Arnett in the moment right after a loss, he's just too raw. He's just too, he's just too overwhelmed by the anger and frustration of losing to be up there. It's tough. And that the the answer that we highlighted earlier though, that 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 speaks a lot because that probably does come from a position of I want to protect my player. Yes. That shouldn't be your sole motive. You can't protect your players all the time. And and when you stand behind the podium and tell your fans, I made a mistake when I when you didn't, why do you think you made a mistake now? This this is a veteran quarterback. This is a multi-year starter. It's okay to say we can't have a turnover there. Yeah. He's too experienced to do that. He shouldn't do that. Yeah. It's okay yeah. to say that. And instead, now fans are I mean, when I hear that, I think that I mean, does he It's a stupid question because he obviously is much smarter than I am in football. But I thought, does he know what he's doing? If you think that you were wrong there to try to push the football down the field with time in a veteran quarterback, do you know what you're doing? And fans had that reaction as, well, Well, this guy clearly is over his head. Be confident in the decisions that you make, even if they end up being wrong. Correct decisions don't always have win results. And so to... to, to to backtrack on an innocuous decision like that concerns me, frankly. So, so a couple of things from the ceasefire text line. One, we'll, we'll do one morning on this. Don't drop an F-bomb on us on the ceasefire text line. Just don't, okay? We're, we're more than happy to engage. You didn't like the question that I asked, and so you tell me that we are idiots. Point it at me. You don't have to point it at everybody. There's a reason, though, that I was asking the question – is there something good? Because I can't quite wrap my mind around what to make of the rest of Mississippi State's schedule. Like, there's part of me that looks at the remaining schedule for Mississippi State and goes, they're going 5-7. and seven. They're going to beat Western Michigan. They're going to beat Southern Miss. And I think they're going to get one more. Yeah. And that one more is probably Auburn. I would say it's probably Arkansas, but it's in those two those two games. Fayetteville's just a weird place to go to play. A it is, game. but but maybe you're right. But then I also can look at the schedule and go, well, again, they're sitting at two and three. They're gonna beat Western Michigan. They're gonna beat Southern Miss. That's four. They could theoretically beat. Arkansas and Auburn, that's six. And sometimes the Egg Bowl gets weird. Mm-hmm. I don't see a scenario where it's... I honestly don't see a scenario where they get to seven. Honestly. It would be, but I certainly it would be don't a huge see a scenario where it's point. more than seven. 
Yeah, it, it would be a huge turnaround. Well, that's the funniest, funniest part of this whole thing to me is this is exactly where I predicted State to be at this point. My prediction was to be two and three at this point. But, you but they haven't they played like, like this. I, exactly, exactly. You know, I, Alabama was always a wait and see. I, you know, whatever happened in that game just happened. But the way they played against LSU, especially when you watch LSU Saturday, give up giving up seven hundred yards, and State could only get two hundred on them. I mean, that's not good. So, right. State has a lot of of systemic issues. It's not just one guy. I mean, Rodgers is not playing well. There's no getting around that fact. But it's not just Rodgers either. They, had, they they played well enough defensively in this game to, I don't think you could say win, but to make it more competitive. They didn't play well enough defensively at all against South Carolina. They didn't play great defensively. They didn't play well on any side of the ball against LSU. Against, Ar- against Arizona, if they don't force five turnovers and – Forcing turnovers, there's a bit of luck in there when you look at State's defense and you don't point to an Emmanuel Forbes. When you can't just look at a guy and say, okay, well, he's a first-rounder, so he's going to get turnovers. You get know, two, 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 three interceptions by the linebackers. That is not something that usually happens. So, I mean, if they don't get five turnovers, if they only give up, if they only have four, they might not win that game. So they just have not played. Even in the game against Southeast Louisiana, they didn't play well. They started slow, and then they 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 finally got things going in the second half. But there's not been a game where State's played good for four quarters all season long. So they have they have issues that are just bigger than stuff that you could correct in 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 one week. And yeah, I think this is the, the timing of the schedule kind of works for them. You get Western Michigan this week. That should be a get-right game in terms of just seeing yourself execute and and score some points and win the game. And you go have a happy locker room. Then you have a bye week to get some things hopefully sorted out. And then you go to Arkansas. So you've got like this two-week period to just try to figure some things out. Because yeah, right now it's just about getting to six wins. It's an oversimplification. But but you said it. There were periods of time in that game where it could have looked and felt differently. And they turn the football over. Sometimes quarterbacks not to blame for a team's troubles. I, I mean, if you put Jaden Daniels on Mississippi State on Saturday night, do they beat Alabama? They play him a heck of a lot closer, have a much better chance. Yeah. But point being, the quarterback's not the only issue. Right, but when you are playing yourself out of a game at that position, you have to do something different. Whether it's with how you call the game, whether it's scheme, whether you put him in different positions to make plays, or whether you let the guy, the the supreme athlete, take some snaps and have a full drive. I know there are other issues, but a lot of those other issues are, are not correctable right now. You, you can at least try something personnel-wise at that position to give mm-hmm. yourself something offensively. Because 100 yards and, through the air and three turnovers, Mike Wright, could he could have done much better than that on, on Saturday night. He could have given you more than that. you got to try and something. That, and, and look, he might not have been any better through the air, but he, he would have given you something on the ground, at least. On some of those plays that broke down, Rodgers could give you something on the ground. And one other thing that I've, I've seen people saying, I know i only got a couple seconds here, People are saying, oh, well, you know, they knew this was going to be it. No! No. Nobody knew this was going to be this kind of year. No, Now, nobody at Mississippi State was saying rebuild, young team, playing for the future. 
None of that. This is a senior-laden football team. They expected to win this year. And in fact, when Borky and I kind of brought up some of the, well, what about this and what about this? You you kind of pushed back on that a little bit. I did. And, and I thought did. it was going to be a fairly seamless transition. We'll be back right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. It's time to get real. Real Sports Talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports Talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, I need to make an apology. Not for what you think. To the uh, to to the friend on the ceasefire text line, who uh, who reached out and and said to the guy talking the most. Assume that means me. Nobody expects you to get every prediction, but if you're getting paid to talk about the two schools' games, at least watch the games. Which you obviously didn't stay up and watch state, given all the blunders and awkward pauses so far. Couldn't you have at least watched a recording if past your bedtime? <laughs> he also got it's, me there because I said they lost by 17. They, they did lose by 23. They the, scored the, 17. The, the awkward pauses and, well, first of all, I'm, I mean, my most sincere apologies. I, I hope you can find it in your heart to forgive my mistake. As I read, I was looking for a specific timestamp in a play-by-play slash box score from a game, and I read the wrong time. And then I was trying to correct myself because it didn't sound right, and so I was looking for something different to do that. Um, but 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 I, I erred. I, I made a mistake, and, I you know, I can, I can only ask that you can find it in your heart to over, uh, overlook that mistake. And, yes, I watched the game, you moron. I watched the first quarter of it while I was calling another game. I watched the next two quarters in a sports bar where I was trying to eat dinner in the last quarter in my hotel room, had it on my phone in between places. Jeez. Chase is right on the text line, by the way. So he's right about his take on the quarterback, Chase, but we're, we're short on time, so we'll, we'll jump to this. But, I mean, you, I remember you. You've been talking about this for two years, and, and we have to a degree as well, but... He said, the complete absence of a defensive line and pass rush, no one saw that coming. You're exactly right. There's a difference between projecting a season wrong and what happening on the field not making sense. Like, there was a path to Mississippi State not being good. We talked about it this offseason, that rookie head coach transitioned to a new offense, replacing an entire secondary, including a first-round pick who was covering A.J. Brown yesterday in the NFL. I mean, there were reasons to think that it, it, it might not go well. But one of those reasons being they are undisciplined, sloppy up front on defense, and they don't generate pass rush. That that should not be something that we are saying about this team yeah. right now. There was no reason. There's no reason for them to look like this right now. That's correct. There, no, if, if you told me state was going to be bad, let's. If you had told me state at this point was going to be bad, which you know record wise it would have still been the same, but whatever. I would have immediately just said, okay, obviously Rodgers, it's, it's not working offensively. And I, and you're right about that. Rodgers is not playing well, but nobody could have foreseen this this defense falling apart the way that it has. They lost a lot of players, but they returned a lot of players. And they had hit the transfer portal, and you thought they had been successful in that endeavor, getting guys into the secondary, but it has not been the case thus far. 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it just it doesn't add up. And it, it, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It just you you wonder if the having the total responsibility as a head coach is taking away from that which was a strength for this team a year ago. You know what I mean? I wanted to bring something up on Will Rogers a second ago. I wonder what's going on in his head. Now, I understand that Alabama has a good defense. LSU really doesn't. He was not good throwing the ball against LSU. Had one of his poorest games. I guess it was his single poorest game as a quarterback at Mississippi State. And then he grows out and throws for like 7,000 yards against South Carolina. But it wasn't the number, right? It wasn't the 400, what was it, 486? Was that, was that the number? It, it wasn't that he threw for that many yards. It was the confidence and the poise with which he delivered the football throughout the entirety of that game. And then you get to this one. And Al, again, Alabama's defense is good. Mm-hmm. That, that front four is not the best they've had, but the back seven is really good. But none of the confidence and the poise that you saw a week before was there. And it's not like he just had a clean pocket for the entire game against well, South Carolina. And this is Will Rogers, one of the most experienced quarterbacks in the country. You just expect more consistency. And I asked Arnett about that today at the press conference. I said he sandwiched his best game ever around his worst two games ever. And that's what's happened these last three weeks. His worst two statistical games, his best st- statistical game. I, I don't expect that from Will Rogers. I don't expect that roller coaster. I expect a lot more steadiness. Yeah. And, and I guess that's what I'm getting at. Is like I, I don't really understand why. Well, and I hate to, to say it like this, but did you watch South Carolina play defense on Saturday night? They're not very good at it. They're not good. Yeah. They're not good. That's right. South Carolina's not a good team. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Two hours in the books. We've got a whole lot more coming up. I've actually got a split. I've got a family thing i got to do that starts a little bit earlier. Hey, Dad and Borky are going to carry you the rest of the way. We've got winners and losers. Yes. We've got the college football fix uh, and a whole lot more. So plenty coming your way with an hour of the show left on this Monday afternoon. We've got some folks that woke up on Sunday morning happy as they could be and other folks that woke up on Sunday morning looking for a fight. Good grief, the ebbs and flows of a football season. Sports Talk Mississippi, we're back right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. Here we we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. On the text line, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395, your winners and losers for the weekend. Here we go. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. What 
What did you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? Let us know on the C Spire text on 601-879-4395. Brian Haydad, your first winner. Yeah, by definition, I didn't like anything from the weekend. Giants lost three or four to the Dodgers to finish under five hundred for the season. State loses. Saints lose. Thank God for Chelsea getting me a win today. It's the only thing I had. It's literally the only thing I had in this life. That and I made some incredible roasted potatoes this weekend. I, I still can't nice. get over how good they were. Um, you may not believe this coming from me. And I'm not going to say Ole Miss. I'll let you have it. Texas A&M? Like, their defensive line recruiting is yeah. starting to show up. You know, when you recruit five-star defense, that is what wins football games. If you can recruit five-star defensive linemen every year, you will pretty much guarantee to win at least eight games. See Mississippi State 2018. And so they look pretty good, and Max Johnson looked pretty good, and they've got some weapons, and Petrino appears to be in charge of that offense, and they're going to play Alabama at home this week with a chance to – Knock them off and be the top team in the West? They might be okay. I, I can't tell yet. I can't, can't tell, tell if they're yet. good or not. I can't tell because that Miami game is so weird. Yeah. But they, they're playing okay. They could really disrupt them things in the SEC West. Jimbo's going to win just enough to keep them in purgatory forever, and it's going to be great. Can't wait for Ross Bjork to give him a contract extension this offseason when they win nine games. That'll be uh, hilarious. But... Um, my winner is Jackson Dort. So if you're just joining us, we we talked yeah. earlier. Uh, you know, we talked about the Ole Miss game and the state game, and, and talked about offensive line play, which is what made the whole thing go. Absolutely. I mean, they that was their best game of the year. Uh, Kiffin and, and Charlie Weiss Jr.'s coaching stands out. Trey Harris. I mean, when you do what they did offensively, everybody had to be really good. But Jackson Dart had been poised to have a game like that for quite some time. 390 through the air, four touchdowns, no interceptions on 26 completions. Also ran for 50 as well, including a uh, was it a first and 19 conversion. Ran right up the middle and hurdled a guy. Um, that yeah. that was the game that that you knew he was capable of. Uh, that, that people were waiting for from Jackson Dart, and he finally got to he got to do two things. He got to shut. The, the remaining few doubters up about his ability, uh, again, including the aforementioned Dari Noka, who during halftime of the Georgia Tech game said that, you know, when do you make a change? And also kind of introduced himself to the country. Because for the last year and four games he's been a starter, it's really been about Quinshawn Judkins. You know, he was just the quarterback at Ole Miss, but the Ole Miss offense was Quinshawn Judkins. In that spot, in that moment, Judkins was great, don't get me wrong. That was Jackson Dart's game. That was when the quarterback was flawless, and that's when he made the plays and down two scores in the fourth quarter. He delivered accurate pass after accurate pass and, and ran for first downs and all that. That was that was Jackson Dart's moment. And um that was that uh, was cool to see. So Jackson Dart is a winner. You got another one? Good choice. SEC Offensive Player of the Week finally took the mantle away from quarterback who played Mississippi State the week before. Congrats to him for that. Um, yeah, let's stay with let's stay, let's stay with Ole Miss. I mean, you have to give Kiffin a lot of credit here, right? Because if he had lost that game, I think he may have been under more pressure than anybody else. And if he had lost that game, this show today, our text line would have been nonstop. They, they can't go on like this. 
that just can't go on like this with Lane Kiffin. They can't pay a guy $9 million a year to lose these games. And instead, now it's, this is why we're paying this guy $9 million a year. Great job. He did it. And I thought it was very smart of him to, to thank the crowd because he's right. He has taken some shots. And when he came, when they when they show up for you, you got you got to give them that that little boost, and they'll love that for him. I wish he would stop. I wish he would get my buddy John Sokolov's name out of well, his mouth. Well, did you hear what he but, said though on Saturday night? So he, he took I, a well, shot at him and said, "Hey, John, he, I don't know if he, I'm picking on you because I like you." I don't know if that's the case or not. I don't know if he's doing that. It's like you know, I don't know if that's the truth. But regardless, I didn't say irregardless. But regardless. Kiffin got the job done. He obviously had a fantastic game plan. And that is, I mean, that might be the best offensive performance in the history of the Southeastern Conference. I mean, you really can make a case that that's, the, that, that, that's it. So, three, what did I say? 390 through the air, four touchdowns, no interceptions. They had another yeah. 390 on, uh, excuse me, 317 on the ground with three touchdowns. Yeah. Those are amazing numbers. Those would be great offensive numbers against, you know, Central uh, Arkansas. Mercer earlier this year. Mercer. Yeah, those would have been great offensive numbers in that game. That's LSU. I mean, I know they have talent. So that's that that yeah, Kiffin deserves a lot of credit, and give and give Golding some credit too. His defense got stops when they had to get stops. They, they were they were really Kiffin said it during the game as well. He was asked during those sideline interviews, and uh, essentially he said, "There's nothing we can do right now. They're better than us. There. I mean, they're just their offense is that talented, and the the transparency during the mm-hmm. game I thought was interesting. Uh, my second winner, yeah. sportsmanship." Uh, Sam Hartman, uh, after <laughs> what did you think I was going with? Well, no, there's there's a pro wrestling thing with that. I'll explain it later. Go, you go. Okay, because I need to know. So Riley Leonard, Duke's quarterback. I mean, if you've watched Duke play, you know he's not the best quarterback out there. And Notre Dame's defense is really, really good. And he kind of had a tough night, but he hung in there because he's tough and he's a fun player. And, I mean, Duke should have beaten Notre Dame, and, and they didn't. Uh, Hartman scrambled on 4th and 16, and Notre Dame ultimately wins. And in the final seconds, Riley Leonard gets rolled up on and looked like a really grisly uh, lower leg injury. And Sam Hartman, instead of celebrating with his team and jumping up into the stands and doing all that stuff, he walked over to the Duke injury tent and stood outside of the injury tent on the Duke sideline until Riley Leonard came out of the tent. Uh, to to wish yeah. him well and tell him good game and then ran into the locker room. That was a really cool moment from a guy that's been there. You know, Sam Hartman has had a weird injury that cost him a couple of games. Now it wasn't uh, what's going to be seemingly you know weeks for Leonard, but seeing right. that from from a veteran guy like that to to forget, no, I'm not celebrating. I, I'm going to go wait for him. That was really really cool to see. And uh, I'm glad the cameras caught that as well, just so everybody could kind of see that, hey, the kids are all right. Sportsmanship's not dead. Yeah. Sam Hartman's a he's a baller. Yeah. You, you, can't, you can't disagree. Good win, good win for Notre Dame, too. Good win for them. They needed that. You got another one, or should we transition? Uh, we can go to losers. Let's go. I mean, again, I don't want to take, I don't take, yeah, I don't take anything away from, from Ole Miss. But freaking LSU, what on earth? Uh, just defense, too. Jaden Daniels is a winner. 
Jaden Daniels is a winner. That offense is a winner. But my God, and then again, this is the opposite side of the Kiffin argument. Brian Kelly, they're paying you $10 million a year to win these games. Never mind win the game. Hold a nine-point lead with, with three minutes to go. That $10 million a year. Brandon Marceau and I did an interview recently. He talked about college football is a one-year deal now. They pay too much money to these coaches to accept back-to-back terrible seasons. And if LSU, LSU still has to play Alabama, they still have to play at Florida, I believe. I think it's at Florida. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen in that game. They still have to play Texas A&M. And they got to go to Missouri this week, who is one of the best passing teams in the country. If they go 7-5, and five, they might fire him. They literally might do it. Just be aware of that. It is what an awful defensive game. Matt House is a good defensive coordinator, but he looked—I mean, he looked like a moron on Saturday. Daniels has improved so much as a passer. He's a really good football player. His touchdown pass right before the end of the first half—you could have frozen time. If he had the, what was yeah. that Adam Sandler movie, Click? He could have hit Click yeah. and walked down the field and placed the ball into his hands and not done any better. He had a couple of throws like that against State, too, where it was just like he could not have handed him the ball any cleaner than he just threw it 40 yards. I've got uh, a pair but of not losers uh, from the weekend. We'll get to those. And then a bunch of your texts have come in, so we'll, uh, we'll get to those as well. Sports Talk Mississippi, Pearl River Resort Studio. Uh, I'm Borky. Say that. Glad you guys are with us. Keep sending them in, though. We're getting a ton. Uh, we might not get to them all. We're getting so many. So if we don't read yours, it's not because it wasn't good. It's just there are a lot, and we appreciate you for. Or that we don't like you. Uh, that that's possible as well. Six year one eight seven nine forty three ninety five. We'll be back. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. All right, my losers before we get to yours. Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley. So uh, a lot of you probably did not watch the Ryder Cup this weekend. It was early in the morning and it was a football weekend. But for those of us that did, uh, we got to see the Americans embarrass themselves on European soil again. Now that's not a a new thing. It's hard to win in Europe, just like it's hard to win in America. Uh, the, The road crowds in team golf are actually a thing. They are truly impactful on the results. It's a a very unique thing in the sport. Separate reporting came out. There was obviously issues with the team. They were playing poorly. There were some kind of rumblings of togetherness or lack thereof going into the event. And then a report came out during the event on, I believe, Saturday morning that said Patrick Cantlay is not wearing his Team USA hat like everybody else because uh, he is protesting their lack of payment for participating in the event. He thinks they're not getting paid enough. Um, That was disputed, but in the kind of PR way that says, you're not 
right, but you're not wrong either. And there was kind of some confirmation that he has taken issue with how they don't really get paid that much to play in the Ryder Cup representing their country. Um, He has not worn his hat at the Ryder Cup before. It wasn't just a this year thing. But man, when DeWalt Tools pays for it, he has that hat on. His excuse after the uh, event was um, he just couldn't couldn't get it to fit right. Well, everybody else on your team could. And it's got your country's name on it. Wear your hat. And then Xander Shoffley. Call me a communist. uh, Report comes out uh, where it's just, it's not a report. It's his his father's own words, uh, apparently where there was a contract dispute with him and uh, the Ryder Cup team that went on until a few weeks before the event happened again in Rome that he was in a standoff with the PGA of America. And uh, it ended up getting worked out, I suppose. Worked out, I suppose. But those two guys also did not go to their scouting mission where they, they went to Rome to play the course to figure out the best strategies and stuff. They weren't there. Jordan Spieth wasn't there either. I believe it was because of the birth of his second child, I think is why why he missed. But you go on a scouting Do you love mission. your country or not, Jordan? My God. But if there is any semblance, and again, this is Shoffley's dad's own words, okay? So unless his dad is lying, at least one half of this is true. If you, with your $70 million career earnings, $70 million for Cantlay and $62 million for Shoffley is what they've earned in their career. If you can't spend one weekend all expenses paid, and you, there is a monetary, you know, uh, incentive. It's just not big like the tournaments that they play in. But for one weekend every two years, you can't put money aside to represent your country in the coolest event that the sport has to offer. You are a gigantic loser, and I never want to see them on the national team again. You get paid millions upon millions of dollars every week to, to play golf. And look, the, the, the tour is marketable, and if you play well, you earn it. Golf is an earn-it sport for the most part. You have to play well to make money. If you don't play well, if you have a bad Thursday and Friday, you don't get paid. Your sponsors pay you, but you don't get paid. So they, they've earned the money that they've made. But for one weekend a year, you can't not get in a contract dispute to represent your country? You, you can't wear a hat with the American flag on it to represent your country in play in the Ryder Cup? You are a loser, and it's su- it is such a confirmation of what people think about golfers, isn't it? Doesn't that just confirm what people think about golfers, pretentious, stuck up? Lucas Glover would have walked on broken... I never once thought that about John Daly. Never True. once. But Lucas Glover and Keegan Bradley would have walked on broken glass to go play in the Ryder Cup. They wouldn't have complained about a cent not going their way. They would have just loved to have played for the United States of America. And they got left home for these two losers. And I promise you, they could have lost just as easily. And they probably would have played better because they weren't concerned about their hat. Absolute losers. It's an embarrassment. If you get the chance to represent your country... Be thankful that you get to represent your country on a world stage. And don't whine about money, loser. And you guys, you guys call me a communist. Look at this. But they get something. It's not like it's a play for free or else. And you can turn down the opportunity. If you think you're not financially compensated enough, say no so Lucas Glover can go. Because he deserved to go anyway.
And guess what? If you go to the Sanderson Farms Championship this weekend, you get to follow Lucas Glover for four days because he'll be here. And and thankful for that because he's on a heater uh, right now. And uh, enjoy yourself out there because I will. I'm looking forward to seeing Lucas here. So, anyway, you got any other losers? No, let's get to our, to our listeners because we have got a bunch of text. Got a ton. Uh, Tim and Tupelo, I, I was hoping we wouldn't bring this up today, Tim. Disgusting effort by the Saints yesterday. Pitiful loser. Yes. Gross. I didn't watch but two quarters. Absolutely pathetic football uh, all around. I literally, I literally, when it was 14-3, I looked at the TV and I said, that's enough football for this week. That's enough. I just I can't I can't go another step football f- further with the sport of football no. this week. And, and I'm glad I'm really I glad I, I did. we settled for field goals in the second half. Uh, that, that that was that was nice. Oh, yeah, yeah uh, for sure. Uh, winner, Ole Miss offensive line, absolutely, absolutely, they were dominant, uh, dominant game. Uh, Seven hundred yards. Ole Miss fans are losers for rushing the field against the number 13 team in the country when they are they already have one loss on the season. Okay, if you listen to the show every day, you know I'm consistent about this. I am pro field storming. I like it. I think you should do it. If you win a football game, go on the field. It's fun. It's awesome. We should try to find ways to make it safe. I think Ole Miss had like this rope thing that they had to kind of circle around the LSU bench to allow them to get the, the equipment off the field. Storm the field. Field storming's fun. Enjoy wins. Winning's fun. All that. There was a video of a moron who was trying to ruin it for everybody. He's recording himself running on the field, cussing which is in the fine. which is fine. But yeah. but then he's, okay. he's cussing in the direction of an LSU player and runs up behind him yeah. behind him. That's iffy. And makes contact with him. That's unacceptable. And he's lucky he's not in a hospital today. He's absolutely and the, the guy. The guy been, would have been fully within his rights. Yep, fully within his rights to take him out. I agree completely. If you run up behind yeah. in an emotionally charged situation like that, if you run up behind yeah. yelling profanities at an opposing football player, you're lucky he only turned around and shoved you to the ground. That I will say. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go. Ahead. You go. You go. That is why Greg Sankey's trying to take it away. That right there. Yeah. People like you are why Greg Sankey's trying to take away a really cool thing that happens in college football, and it was really cool on Saturday night, and you have to run up on and try to make contact with an LSU player. And that video, I promise, was seen by the league office today, and I promise Ole Miss is having to deal with that now. I mean, they're having to deal with it anyway, but you doing that ruin a great thing that happens in college football. And you're lucky he didn't smoke you because he should have. You're lucky. Leave the players alone the other, and go celebrate with your own. The other loser is that security guard. Oh, God. Just whiffing on everybody, but he sure body checked that girl that ran into him. My goodness, guy. Just, just get out of the way. Save yourself, buddy. Yeah. At that point, yeah. at that point, you're not stopping anything. Come on, man. Uh, winner, the Toy Story game broadcast. Out. Did you check it out? Didn't. No, I didn't watch a second of that. I have a no. I have a friend with a uh, a six year old, and he said that they enjoyed it. So, okay, for uh, for whatever that's worth. What team was most impressive in the SEC this weekend, Hayden? You can't really say Ole Miss because of the defense. I mean, they, Ole Miss was very, very impressive, but I, I can't, it's probably it's probably Kentucky. That's a good one. Kentucky absolutely dominated Florida, and they dominated them the old-fashioned way. They punched them in the mouth. 
They held their head in the toilet. They they didn't let them do anything. Kentucky had thir- or Florida had 13 guys on the field at one point and couldn't get a tackle. Still gave up a touchdown. That's that's the most incredible thing I've ever seen. 13 I mean, guys I on understand the field Notre Dame. On. I understand Notre Dame. You can't stop them with 10 guys. 13 guys, you should be able to get a stop. Yeah. Nope. Nope. And you realize it's 13 on 9, right? Right. Because you got the guy who, who, who's carrying the ball can't block, and the quarterback's handing it off. He's not blocking. 13, you had a four-man advantage and couldn't get the stop. Oh, That's embarrassing. Unbelievable. Gibbs a winner. He sends us a, a picture of he, and and I, I hope that is uh, that is your kid. If not, uh, put him down. Uh, and, and Cam Newton at the Auburn game on uh, on Saturday. That's really cool, man. Cam, what is Cam Newton wearing there? My I, goodness. Did you see the whole outfit? That, yeah, that is like a yeah. painter's, uh, an orange like painter's jumpsuit mm-hmm. with a, a huge hat on. But yeah, cool uh, cool picture there, Gib. Glad uh, glad you're with us. Hope uh, you had fun despite the uh, uh, the loss for your Tigers. They played well though. For uh, for what it's worth, uh, we got a bunch more to get to. We'll do that when we come back. Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five is the text line. It's winners and losers on this Monday. Don't go anywhere. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Text line because we got a lot of good winners and losers. First one, winner is me. I spent my birthday yesterday by the pool on vacation watching LSU football reaction shows all day. Yeah, friends of the program, uh, T Bob and Matt Moscona, uh, that the post game video of them at that bar that they do post game shows from uh, <laughs> had to be something. Oh my gosh. I mean, that video has like 40,000 views, probably even more. And I think it's like 90% Ole Miss fans. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna. I mean, I'm I'm the same way. It, when 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 there's a video that I can I can watch that shows the agony of defeat, I will watch it 100 percent of the time. Jeff says, "Winner the Ole Miss band trolling LSU after the game by playing uh, neck for the students on the field. Loser the security guard who decleated that young female student coming onto the field. Hey, she took it like a champ though. She popped right back up. Got right back up." That's what tequila will do for you. Yeah, she probably was uh, was a little. Her neck was probably sore the uh, the next morning. Winner. Yeah. She Lane probably Kiffin. woke up the next morning like, "What happened?" Yeah. yeah. Or everybody on her <laughs> campus though is sharing that video of her. Though every person yes. has watched that video. I mean, she's famous now. Good for her. Yeah. They need to put her on a T-shirt. Somebody probably already has. Vance says, winner, Lane Kiffin, loser, side judge in the Jets game. That holding call against Sauce Gardner was atrocious. Frankly, Vance, it needs to be uh, investigated by the league. I don't think it will, but uh, it needs to be. Ben, our resident Delta State fan here, appreciate you, Ben, said number six, Delta State, now 5-0, and dominated in their win over West Alabama, 47-17, a pick six return for a touchdown, and 
Got number 19, five and zero Valdosta State next Saturday. Delta State is now 16 and two in their last 18 games. Look at that. Yeah. I love Ben. I love Ben, and Ben loves uh, Delta State for sure. We appreciate you, Ben. Glad you're with he us. Does, and, he does. And I'm sure uh, Delta State appreciates you as well. Winner Brock Bowers. He destroyed Auburn. He beat Auburn by himself. He really did. I mean, the the Bears have the top two pick in the draft right now. Don't they have to take Caleb Williams and Brock Browers? Yep. Don't don't that's think just, twice that's about the two it. guys to take. Don't just 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 take the two best two guys. Yeah. And also, I got an interesting go one ahead. though, real quick. So I have a winner and a loser from the same game, where the loser is the winner and the winner is the loser. Nice. And it's from Southern Cal, Colorado. I think Colorado's the winner. They showed you that they're going to be a competent football program. They're going to go to a bowl game this year. I really believe that. They will find three more wins. And as long as Dion's there, they're going to continue to attract talent and be for real. The other side of that is Southern Cal. Not for real. Not for real. They, nope. they, they'll win games. They'll score a lot of points. But when they play Notre Dame, they're going to get beat, I think. You know, when they play Oregon and Washington, they can't stop. They can't stop anybody. That's that. It doesn't make sense. It's almost a meme the way Lincoln Riley's defenses are, are, are constructed. Like Lincoln Riley just needs to take his next recruiting class and say, "All right, we're good on offense, and we'll go to the portal for some guys, but we are going to recruit twenty four to five star can't miss defensive players. We got we yeah. got to we got to put all our chips on the table there and get some defensive guys." Lincoln Riley just picked up his Oklahoma program and just put it in Southern Cal. It's the exact same team. Yeah. If they may, if they somehow make it through the Pac-12 and they play Michigan, they'll get smoked. It's just how it's going to yeah. be. Uh, winners, everybody watching LSU and Ole Miss game, it was a heck of a game and very entertaining. Dwayne says, my pick for loser as well as LSU, but the winner is Ole Miss. Great game. Hartman is a baller, another message says, but he looks like a 40-year-old that acts on Days of Our Lives or the Young and the Restless. That's Nathan in Sedatobia. Yeah, he, he he looks like a Disney prince is what he looks like. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, man. Uh, loser is me by taking the under in the Ole Miss game at 67. Big win for the Rebs nonetheless. Winner Vaught Hemingway, first time I've ever been to that building, and on third downs for defense, you legitimately couldn't hear yourself think. Yeah, I've heard that from a lot of people. And, you know, with all due respect, that is not a venue that is known for that. It's just not. It was on Saturday. So yeah. you're, you're capable of doing that. We get this message RG3 is a loser. Interested to see what Go it ahead. looks like this Saturday. Interested to see what it looks like this Saturday. It won't be like that. that. And it it looks like, by the way, Arkansas returned a ton of visitor allotment tickets. A ton. What are you people thinking? This is the best game of the... All I was thinking watching this game was, if this is Ole Miss LSU and Ole Miss Arkansas is always the best game of the year, what is that game going to be? Will there be actual, like, alien invasions? Yeah. What's going to happen? Will will Jackson Dart, you know, unveil his mutant powers? What's going to happen at this game? I can't wait. Loser, Team USA at the Ryder Cup. Winner, Sam Burns' mullet. At least that was one good thing that happened. Also, Max Homa was uh, was really good this week as well. He, he's He's got a yeah. high Q rating. He's a likable guy, and he played well. I was I was happy for him. But, uh, yeah, the rest of the team uh, really sucked. 
Loser, the old Miss student trying to front flip off the goalpost and busting his rear end. <laughs> I've seen that in a wrestling match, but it worked better for that guy. Uh, what you probably didn't see was he was um, um, very affectionate towards that goalpost before he. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Winner. George, not the livestock. Winner, getting to take my daughter to her first Saints game. I love that picture. He's got the, he's holding her, and she's sleeping with the little yeah. the little baby headphones on. That's awesome. Lucky kids slept through that nightmare of a game. No doubt. There's no other answer for biggest loser other than Patrick Cantley. Yeah, Captain Slowplay can't can't bring himself to wear a hat with the American flag on it. God, just, just gross. Um. Zach says, I'd like to go to Europe before I die, and they're complaining. And the thing is, they get comp- they got compensated. Like, they get paid. It's not like they did it for free and, and came out of their own money, and it's one weekend every two years. My- Mike tried to do a gotcha on me on the text line and say, but you advocate for players getting NIL. Patrick Cantlay plays every weekend for money. He's made $70 million in his career. For one weekend every two years representing your country, he can take a little less, and it, and it will be okay. You'd think, but you know, you'd be wrong. Just turn it down. Just turn down the opportunity. Anyway, Dave says, totally agree with my rant, though. USA, will Zach Selman's first big hire be the baseball coach or the football coach? Um, baseball would be my, my guess. Yeah, yes. I, I well, I, yeah, I think so. But I think so. Uh, yeah. LSU stormed the field last year with one loss. Absolutely. They, they've, LSU has stormed the field twice against Ole Miss in the last 10 years. So when they try to tell you it's not a rivalry, when they say, oh, that's not a rivalry, they just think it's a rivalry. You stormed the field twice in 10 years. So twice in five games against Ole Miss. You, you lose your argument in that case. You, I think, you lose. I think both schools... Should immediately be uh, ejected from the Southeastern Conference. <laughs> it's the only way to be safe. After we cancel football, we need to do that. By the way, I got three this weekend. Three people with that tweet. Three different people I saw that. thought I was being serious. I, I, I'm telling you, I'm going to tweet this every weekend. Every weekend I'm going to tweet, I think football should be canceled. I'm hearing that football is going to be canceled. Okay, it's not safe. Just to see how many people I can reel in. You Nobody's safe. Your grandparents, I'm going to get them all. We're not going to be able to get to all these, uh, so forgive us. Uh, Robert Winter, us as fans this past weekend had so many great games from Ole Miss to Notre Dame to Kentucky smoking Florida. The whole weekend was awesome. It was great. Uh, Winter, a great weekend of college football. Imagine that. Yeah. Winter, RG3, he's awesome with all of his comments. Uh, quote, he's a Sunday guy, and I'm not talking about ice cream. So, yeah, we got another message uh, calling him the opposite, calling him a loser. Frankly, I enjoyed Robert Griffin's call and Bob Shoes, and I thought they were both really, really good. And and look, RG three at times um, is cheesy. You know, he's he's trying to be funny and, and trying to like say little lines like that, and sometimes they hit and sometimes they miss. But I would watch a Robert Griffin the third called college football game ten times over uh, than some of the other guys that have his job. He had fun on Saturday. And it seems like he completely and totally embraces... I'm I'm talking about a football game that I'm watching for a living. This is awesome. Like, this is so much fun, everybody. Look at how much fun I'm having. 
And I know that there were some people that took exception to uh, a thing that he said where when it, there was like kind of a scrum, and that's probably what he should have said, where Daniels got picked up and, and he said something along the lines of, and they held him up like Jesus on the cross or something like that. And yeah. some people uh, got offended and, and demanded an apology. And we were asked about what we thought about that earlier, and this is only my opinion. I can't speak for Richard and Hey Dad. If Hey Dad wants to, to weigh in, we're up against a break. He can. Um, Robert Griffin is an, a, a devout and openly Christian man. He meant absolutely no offense whatsoever when he said that. He probably shouldn't have, and I assume he wishes he had that back. He would have said something else. But ask yourself if you were offended by that. Why? Why Are you really offended? Do you demand an apology, and what will one do for you? Why? If we're going to be moan cancel culture, then an open, a devout open Christian man saying that on television probably shouldn't have. Honest mistake. Good guy. He doesn't need to apologize to anybody. He just doesn't need to say that again. And it's all good. Let's not be sensitive. We'll be right back. The best. The best. Sports talk in the state. It's the best thing. Say that again. We the best on three. One, two, three. We the best. Sports talk Mississippi. Super talk Mississippi. All right, real quick, Hayda, do you, do you have any thoughts on RG3 and the some people, not many, but some people demanding an apology from him? As, as, you, as, as you may or may not be aware, sometimes people in position with a microphone say something dumb and it uh it comes back to bite them a little bit. And uh, all you can you know if he wants to if he feels like he needs to apologize, he should do it. If he but if he doesn't, I mean, because I I know what you're saying is true that he is a a very devout religious man. So, I mean, it, 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 he he went for an analogy. It didn't work. Didn't work. Kind of yeah. Sometimes you swing and miss. Yeah. Uh, we get this message, and guys, we've gotten. Not to brag, but um, we've gotten so many we can't get to them all. <laughs> a little humble brag there. Uh, We're so popular. Uh, let's wrap up the show with this because the uh, the state conversation uh, was a little bit choppy earlier today because of things that happened. And um, <laughs> and uh, okay. we get this message. The last five minutes of the show is just going to be me laughing. It's just I can't. Any opinion on why State's defense is playing so poorly? They basically have three, three weeks to prepare for Arkansas. Can any significant changes be made in that time frame? We also got some unfortunate injury news today as well, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Trevion Williams is out for the year. Uh, State's defensive line depth has just been decimated. They're, they're missing guys there. They had to play a guy. I mean, the first if you go back to the watch of the first series, Don Terry Russell has a sack. I wouldn't have guessed Don Terry Russell had a, was going to have a sack this year, let alone in the first series against Alabama. But congrats to him. He played well and, and, and talked about it today. Arnett talked about it today, said, going to see a lot more of him going forward. Um, but as to why, that, that's the reason State is struggling. It does. It doesn't because I knew they lost. I knew they lost a bunch of guys. And 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 look, if you had told me they were going to struggle in the secondary, I could buy into that. I said it all summer long that that was where my questions were. But State's inability to get anything out of its pass rush is incredibly concerning. And I know they don't have a, a Montez Sweat or even a Tyrus Wheat on that defensive front. 
But they have good enough guys that they should be getting to the quarterback with more regularity than they are. But when you can't cover and you can't blitz, well, then what the hell can you do except get beat every week? Whew, that Arkansas game. I mean, you want to talk about critical, especially coming off of uh, off of a bye. And I mean, Arkansas. There's a chance that Arkansas would have lost their fifth game in a row going into that one, right? BYU, LSU, A and M, Ole Miss, Alabama. Yeah, that's five. One, two, three, four, five. Mm-hmm. Um, that that game, regardless of what happens the next two weeks with Arkansas, you got to win. Must it. win. Have to. Yeah, and it's must win for state too. We're gonna have some high stakes games in October. Yeah, uh, across the SEC. I mean, like think about like Florida LSU. What is that game right now? What is uh, uh, Kentucky when they play Missouri? Yeah, I mean that's that's a huge game all of a sudden. I mean it, it's crazy when you think about like the, the the conference clearly isn't as good at the top as it's been the past couple of years. But everybody kind of being in the middle like this means the games are just absolutely massive every week. Yeah, I can't. I'm excited. I'm excited for it. And, and and I think we – so we'll, we'll talk about that. just ran out of time. Um, the, the other games that happened this weekend, I, I do think that what happened in Auburn is more about Georgia than Auburn. But it's a good demonstration of th- – this season does feel, at least in the SEC, like it's more week-to-week uh, than it has been in, in quite some time. I, I mean, Georgia can't score, guys. They can't score. Yeah. They can't do it. And either can Auburn. What has Auburn had? What six straight games with fewer than a hundred yards passing, something like that. Uh, I mean, they're abysmal too. And they almost had that Auburn voodoo thing happen with the back-to-back fumbles and, and and all that. But Georgia can't score. That's the best team in the SEC right now, and they can't score on South Carolina's defense. They can't score on Auburn. If not for Brock Bowers being an absolute animal. Georgia loses to Auburn on Saturday. Yeah. And now he, he was an animal, and they won, but... but so does that just freeze getting them up for that one game? Because had them motivated? It's a rivalry game anyway? Or is there or, or is Auburn a little better than we thought? You tell me. I think their front's good. Because, uh, I mean, they, they held A&M in check pretty well. I mean, that, that was a defensive struggle. Cal couldn't score on them. Uh, but I, I do think that it's a combination of Auburn being good, especially in the front six on defense, Georgia being average at best, possibly below average at quarterback. Aside from Bowers, they don't have any re- weapons that scare you. They don't run the football particularly well. They can't score. And so kind yeah. of a, a mixed bag, a combination of it all. So anyway... Thank you guys so much for uh, tuning in, making the show a part of your day. We'll be back tomorrow at 3 o'clock. You guys enjoy the rest of your Monday. we got Monday Night Football tonight in New York at the Meadowlands, so enjoy that, and we'll see you tomorrow at 3. Y'all have a good night. We'll talk to you then.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.